Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. Thanks for joining us today, and you're about to hear incredible insights from another powerful mover and shaker. If you're looking to take this experience further, outlining tactical steps to move from serving your community to social enterprise, then check out Journey to Social Entrepreneurship. This incredible event documents 20 changemakers and how they were able to harness the power of service to create meaningful social enterprises. Unlock all the recordings at journeytosocialentrepreneurship.com slash live. This is my free gift to you. So take advantage of it and start to move forward in your endeavors. Calling all adventurous travelers. Today we are sidestepping the dull and ordinary tourist traps in favor of authentic, unique, and dare I say, real experiences off the beaten path. Joining us is Viandu founder, Jason Siegel. This amazing company connects curious travelers with micro-entrepreneurs in emerging economies around the globe. From hip-hopper boxing in Rwanda to beekeeping and traditional cooking in Costa Rica, Fayandu is anything but stale. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Alexandra. Thanks for uh, having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, you were actually one of our incredible guests at Journey to Social Entrepreneurship, and you were actually there for quite a bit of the conference. Are there any takeaways that you can share with us? Uh, yeah, I was, I was really impressed with the lineup that you guys had and, um, yeah, it's the quality of the input and, um, you know, just it's always exciting to see a, a community of people working on good things and, you know, things that they're passionate about. So, Not to mention the diversity of different in- industries from we had teachers, we had tech, we, you guys had travel and food. I really love the scope. Yeah, I agree as well. Um, you know, I think uh, just speaks to kind of the breadth of social enterprises today and, um, you know, a lot of the potential that's there for it. Now, a lot of that conference, actually not some of it, all of it centered around the idea of service leading into social enterprise. You were actually a Peace Corps member in El Salvador. Had you not done that service, where do you think you would be today? Uh, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, my background is in international development. So Peace Corps was a kind of a logical step for me with that. And I actually got my master's degree through my Peace Corps experience. So I guess not having done my Peace Corps service, then, um, you know, I, I, mean, I would have still pursued a, a career in international development. Um, you know, I, I think the Peace Corps really opened up a lot of doors for me and provided kind of that really just hands-on technical training. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I would still be pursuing the same endeavors and heading in, in the same general direction, but I don't think I'd have the kind of local understanding that, uh, that Peace Corps provided. It really is great for putting boots on the ground and digging into that cultural aspect, right? Oh yeah, very much so. It's, uh, you know, it's two plus years. I was in a rural community, little village in uh, northeastern El Salvador, you know, it was up, up in the mountains, close to the border of Honduras. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you're really just invited into, you know, people's communities, their lives, you know, some of my closest friends and connections there in the village where I was based, you know, I was, you know, took on the, the title of T.O. from their children, which is uncle. 
uh, <laughs> Uncle yeah. Jason. Yeah. So it's uh, you know it's it's kind of pursuing your passion, but you just you have a really strong emotional connection with uh, with that experience as well. Now, when you describe getting your master's, did you go through a master's program as part of a subsequent Peace Corps opportunity, or was Peace Corps the, kind of the equivalent of a master's program? Uh, it's called so Peace Corps has a, what's called the Master's International Program. So it's basically there's various universities around the country that have this affiliation with Peace Corps, to where you do a year of coursework and then you do your Peace Corps service and you work on your thesis while you're uh, in the field, and then you go back for a final semester to you know tie things up and defend your thesis. Um, I went to University of Montana. I was through the College of Forestry and Conservation there, and uh, you know at the time it was I think UM was one of maybe five universities around the country that had this, this partnership with Peace Corps. Um, I was already living in Missoula and, uh, you know, I knew all the department heads there. And so I was, you know, it, it was the logical step for me. Well, I absolutely love that you're the first guest from Montana. This whole UM thing is a little challenging as I was a (laughs) Bozeman gal graduating from Montana State University. And we have a very strong rivalry there. We do, yeah. It even, you know, stems into my family rivalry as well. (laughs) (laughs) What happens when your sister-in-laws both graduated from U of M? So, you know, we're just going to let that be, and I won't hold it against you. How about that? We can move on. Yeah, we can move on. (laughs) I really want to dig into all these different unique and authentic travel experiences because they're very different than your traditional tourist opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I believe one of the ones I saw was actually – swimming cows in Rwanda. Can you explain that to me? Is it really swimming cows? Yeah, it's uh, a local, uh, I don't know if I would say cattle rancher, but a younger guy who has, you know, a relatively small herd of cow, maybe I think it's 15, 20. And uh, he kind of realized that uh, a lot of the islands on Lake Kivu, which runs the entire western border of Rwanda, and it splits uh, Rwanda and Congo, uh, that there's great grazing opportunity on these islands and uh he's able to to prompt his his cows to make the swim from island to island and uh he's you know kind of follows behind in a boat and once he's ready to change islands he can whistle and and they'll all come running back out in the water wow that's really well-trained cows yeah yeah it's impressive too like i mean who would ever think that cows swim and that they're quite skilled at it so now this is just a unique opportunity in general, the fact that he was able to get his cows to swim. Where does the idea of turning this into a tour come in? Uh, yeah, so I mean, Viando is all about creating just local, you know, connections with local people, um, really just being a tool for travelers to, you know, go from one country to the next and be able to, you know, connect with local folks and be able to learn a bit about their livelihoods. You know, it's on one end of the spectrum, it's it's about the person and just being able to connect and kind of understand who they are and what they do. And the other end is, uh, you know, learning some of the technical skills behind various livelihoods in different regions. So, you know, as, as you mentioned, like we have coffee farmers, uh, you know, uh, we've got local tailors, we've got hip hop artists. Uh, we have one of Rwanda's, uh, you know, the kind of up and coming documentary photographers. Um, which that's actually been our, our best-selling tour in Rwanda. Um, photography there is, is a really sensitive issue because of the genocide from the 90s. And, uh, you know, uh, Yukubu, who's the photographer, has created these connections all around Kigali. He had, he had worked in the street, lived actually lived on the streets. He was a, grew up as a kid on the streets and uh, was selling burned DVDs 
and uh, someone introduced him to photography and he kind of he's been able to make a career out of it but he just has all these connections all across the city so it's a really kind of safe trusted uh, environment for for travelers to come in and, and be able to have someone who you can show them around. Now, when I was reading that tour, it was describing street photography. So mm-hmm. as travelers go on that, what kind of experience are they looking to have? Uh, yeah, just, you know, one of the most recent pieces of feedback that we've gotten, there was a, a woman from, she was from London and uh, had been in Rwanda for a number of weeks. And she said she came across Wyanda right towards the end of her, uh, her time there. So she, you know, was really interested in just trying to understand you know, local communities. She, you know, had never really seen during her stint in Rwanda, like where, where do people live in the city? You know, what, what is, what is that like? So, you know, Yakubu was able to, you know, follow down through little footpaths and I mean, literally cutting through people's yards. And she describes it as, you know, almost like a favela experience. So, um, you know, and just, yeah, stopping and talking to people along the way. And Jack could kind of explain who they are and what they do and just kind of lower that, uh, I guess that, that barrier there to where people feel comfortable having a camera. Wow. Absolutely incredible. Love the just creativity that a lot of these entrepreneurs are bringing to this tourism space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of our goals is really is to be a marketplace. Um, you know, so we're, you know, we're essentially have a, a double bottom line being a social enterprise. So, you know, profitable as a a company, but also creating legitimate, business development opportunity for the entrepreneurs who we support. So uh, for a lot of the folks, it's, you know, they can double their monthly income with with two to three small bookings. Now, how many travelers are visiting these countries? Because you guys really target your low to moderate income countries. Uh, yeah, we're focused in emerging economies. And uh, actually, the trend in travel, so travel is one of the, globally, is one of the world's largest industries. I think it accounts for roughly, you know, nine point something percent of global GDP. Um, and it's an industry that's just continues to grow and, but it's shifting away from the more traditional, uh, you know, sun, sand and beach and as well as from, so the U S and Europe historically have been the most common destinations, uh, but travel to developing countries is actually now growing twice as fast as those destinations. And within the next 15 years, it will account for roughly uh, 60% of the travel market. So that's over 1 billion travelers annually. Uh, you know, the adventure travel segment alone is $89 billion a year industry. Um, I think Rwanda sees roughly 1.3 million travelers per year at the moment. Wow, that's a lot more than I would have anticipated. Yeah, so it's, it's you know building on that a little bit. So for a lot of you know the world's poorest countries, tourism is oftentimes their largest source of foreign exchange. Um, you know, so in Rwanda, uh, tourism accounts for roughly 22 percent of their GDP. Um, you know, so but the issue is that these tourism dollars typically do not reach the local level. There's a high barrier to entry for for folks that are looking to be able to tap into it, and oftentimes people don't have access to the internet or understand how to market themselves. Or in our case, a lot of the entrepreneurs who we're promoting, they don't even recognize that their livelihoods are something that people are, the travelers are interested in learning about and are willing to pay for. Now, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's actually one of my questions: is how did you guys tap into that interest and discover that people really are interested in either learning hip hop or learning sewing or these really unique, authentic cooking classes? Uh, yeah, so I, you know, my background's in international development, so I've you know I've worked in quite a few countries and uh, you know just met travelers from all over the world, and you know the idea really initiated, uh, I'd say first and foremost, from our Peace Corps experience. So my partner Scott, he's currently based in Rwanda, 
he and I were in Peace Corps El Salvador together. And uh, I think this, the seed for this was really planted, you know, 10 plus years ago where I would, Peace Corps would send new trainees to my, to my community and ask me to organize these multi-day uh, workshops on various agroforestry topics, you know, so hillside farming, beekeeping, you know, fruit tree production, that sort of thing. And of my small village of, say, 45, 50 households, there were, you know, five or six people from that community who I knew were kind of the local experts in each of those topics. So I'd reach out to them and help. they would help kind of organize these workshops and they would actually be the ones up there, you know, teaching a group of 12, 15 new Peace Corps volunteers. Um, you know, and then for me, like just seeing the value, the quality of the trainings that they're providing, uh, the level of just local expertise and the pride that they take in it, uh, you know, that really had an impact on me. And then on the flip side, my partner, Scott, he lived across the country and he was actually, there's, he was actually displaced from his village because of a volcanic eruption. He lived about, say about a quarter of the way up one of the country's largest volcanoes and early one Saturday morning, the thing was a Pliny eruption. It was a 10 kilometer plus plume of ash that shot out of this and uh that's a crazy way to start off your service yeah exactly so yeah literally saturday morning and he's sitting on his front porch with two you know i think it was like eight o'clock in the morning and two young little neighbor boys were sitting there and uh this thing erupts so he just grabs them both under his arms and is running down you know a dirt road with, <laughs> with everyone else from the village but uh anyway to tie that back in so he he actually had to move maybe two kilometers away and stayed in a little hostel which is right on the edge of uh a volcanic lake there and uh so he'd meet travelers from all over and then every day he was hiking back up to help kind of reestablish his community there and uh once travelers got wind of that people started asking if they could come along and just how unique the experience was and you know mentioning as well that it is something that they would they would be willing to pay for um you know so i think since then the technology has really kind of has developed to allow us to do this that's so exciting now you guys are kind of expanding into different countries, both Rwanda and Costa Rica. How are you guys vetting these new travel experiences as you grow? Uh, yeah, that's a good question, too. And that, that ties back into Peace Corps and our service. Uh, so Peace Corps is a network of, you know, it's roughly 7,000 volunteers in upwards of 70 countries. And, uh, you know, so it's essentially a, a global network. And we really kind of understand, you know, I guess the, the mindset of Peace Corps volunteers. And so we're trying to develop this as a way for Peace Corps volunteers to have a day one project. Um, you know, once they arrive in their community, they start meeting people, they, you know, say, you know, it becomes pretty clear, like who, who are the folks that have a, a really interesting marketable livelihood. So, um, you know, in terms of our back end, it's set up to where Peace Corps volunteers and other NGOs that are operating on the ground, um, you know, focused on livelihood development typically. Um, yeah, they can identify folks, we reach out to them, they can identify entrepreneurs um, and people who are a good fit in the communities where they're working and they support them in, in creating a profile on our platform. Now you were so. describing some of the challenges of entrepreneurs in these areas is that there's not a lot of access to Wi-Fi or just other some of the infrastructure that these tourism models typically depend on. How mm -hmm. does Viandu come in and address that problem? Uh, so we we utilize so our booking, we're working on the, our, again, the, the booking system for this now. So it'll be an integrated online to SMS platform. So the traveler, if they log in, they're on Wi-Fi, they send a booking request, it gets converted to SMS, the local entrepreneur receives this on their just standard feature phone, their basic cell phone. And uh, they'll get a message saying, you know, two travelers on this date, 
They can press one to confirm, two to deny, three to request an additional date. Um, and then, you know, through that process, the booking is confirmed. And then actual payments so the traveler, you know, at the time of booking, they pay by credit card. We hold on to that money until several weeks after the experience, at which time uh, it's released again to the, to the entrepreneur's cell phone. So they'll get a code on their phone. They can take it to any little local kiosk that sells airtime, and they can redeem that for cash. When you say sells airtime and redeem for cash, how does that work? That's a little new to me. Uh, yeah, so utilizing, look at you know Rwanda here. Um, so so MT, you know MTN or any of the other providers, um, you know it's in Africa in particular they've kind of skipped the credit card generation. So it's you know if you need to pay a bill or you need to uh, you know send money to family, you just go buy airtime. You put that. You know the minutes, essentially like minutes. You say, okay, here's ten dollars. I put that on my phone. You can then send that to whoever you want to send it to with a certain access code. That person receives that code. They go anywhere else where they sell minutes for uh, you know for topping up their service, and they can get cash minus I think it's like a three percent transaction fee for them. The skip the credit card generation. How intriguing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty high tech. Yeah, it's you know it's ubiquitous, and folks, you know, it, I'd say it kind of all income and educational levels are, are tapping into it. Nice. Like in Kenya, for example, like anytime you buy a phone, you automatically have a mobile money account that's opened up in your name. Oh. So. That's actually really nice. It's pretty common. Yeah. It's good. Awesome. Now, you described earlier that this is, you know, a social enterprise and you have that triple bottom line. How does the business model itself work? Uh, yeah, so we're, you know, in short, we're an online booking platform, uh, platforms free for entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, our, our margin comes when, when travelers book, um, you know, it comes essentially when we bring, when we onboard an entrepreneur, we discuss with them, you know, various pricing options. Uh, we find that, you know, nine times out of 10, the entrepreneur undervalues, uh, their experience. And so we actually, you know, bump it up sometimes quite significantly, uh, you know, to more of a, a market rate. And that's that's the rate that they get, um, regardless. So our, our margin is on top of that. So you know, essentially, when the traveler pays, it's 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 coming from out of their pocket. Now that's really exciting, and I know from discussing with Kyle from Kteca during his journey to social entrepreneurship, a lot of times what these individuals were finding is if they booked through other platforms, whether it was, I mean, I don't know how many cruises are going to. Rwanda per se, but um, his countries were focused on cruise ships that most times when individuals book through there, that they maybe got like five to 10% of the actual booking fee. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of part of our, uh, our mission there is that, you know, this is a clear, transparent transaction and, uh, you know, our, our social impact and really for Viando to, to succeed and work, uh, you know, the traveler needs to get gain value out of it. And the entrepreneur needs to see this as a, a legitimate, economic development tool, um, or just opportunity there. Um, you know, I've, as I mentioned, like I've, I've worked in livelihood development with various organizations. Um, and I mean, anytime you pitch a project to a community or household, uh, you know, folks, regardless of where they live, they go through the same kind of mental process of like, okay, what are my costs? What's the benefit? And is this worth my time? Um, so, you know, we're really designing this in a way that, you know, but we're not trying to make we're not looking to like make tour guides here. It's more creating a, a, a marketplace with that opportunity for folks to, uh, you know, earn some good income and, and help develop their business there. Oh, 
Oh, so exciting. And I love that focus of the mission that you guys are just really coming in with this aspect and this mindset of livelihood development around creating opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. We've got lots of ideas too. I know I'd say what's out there right now is really kind of our, you know, it's our minimum viable product. Um, so there's a lot, a lot on our radar. Well, you guys are actually, you know, doing some great things and I want to, you know, take this back. You started with an Indiegogo campaign. Mm-hmm. Where you were trying to raise $15,000 and you particularly were sleeping in a tent in your sister's garage. Yeah. I think you had dedication to this idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm dedicated. I, I mean, Scott and I, we're both, we're both all in. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I've been living, I was working in South Sudan. Uh, I was working with an Irish agency there and I was uh, a livelihood program coordinator there in South Sudan. Um, and, you know, I had this idea and knew that it's something I wanted to start focusing on. So you know, I initially tried to work on it there in South Sudan, but just it's not the easiest place to uh, try to work on side projects like this. So I, uh, yeah, came back to Atlanta, which is my hometown, and uh, my sister, you know, she she offered up a bedroom, but I was like, y'all, you know, I'm fine in the garage. I've lived, <laughs> lived, <laughs> I've had worse. So um, you had a pretty good setup. I saw photos on the Indiegogo campaign. Yeah, it was, it was a little, you know, I wouldn't say posh, but it was, uh, it suited my needs. So, um, you know, moved on from that. So that's good to hear. Yeah. So in, since this Indiegogo campaign where you guys were successful, you raised that $15,000. How have you guys as a company grown since then? Uh, yeah. So, you know, we've, we've got our MVP. We've got our, we're live. Uh, we're in two countries. Um, you know, really focused on scalable partnerships and just making sure that it's a, a quality experience for, for our customers, for travelers. Um, you know, Scott has since, uh, he was living in Chicago at the time. He was working with, uh, immigrant, uh, farming households there. And, uh, you know, he's since taken that step and, and moved to Rwanda. Um, so yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it was definitely a, a, a positive thing for us, and it uh, provided some some very vital capital at an early stage. You mentioned earlier that you guys have some big ideas. What's on the horizon for you within the next probably two or so years? Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of scale and growth, uh, you know, we're looking to become synonymous with uh, social travel in Rwanda, the same in Costa Rica. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, you know, they're, they're similar markets, but very different in a lot of ways. Um, you know, in Rwanda, as I mentioned, it's tourism is 22% of the GDP, but I think roughly 90% of that comes from folks coming in for three or four days on average, um, you know, and booking to go see the, the mountain gorillas. So people pay 750 to $1,000 a day to go do that. Ooh, uh, so that's, that's a big the, ticket. Yeah. So that's where the tourism dollars are coming, you know, that's where the Rwanda's tourism industry is focused. Um, so at the kind of the level where we're operating, uh, you know, there's local initiatives, focus on some of these connections that we're, we're working on, but, uh, you know, it's, I'd say the market is, is pretty open in that regard. Um, you know, same in Costa Rica, there's local initiatives, but Costa Rica is known more for its, you know, biodiversity and, and beautiful tropical forests and beaches versus kind of the social side. So, uh, but yeah, you know, scaling becoming synonymous with travel in both those countries and then utilizing those as anchor points and growing out regionally around. So Panama, Nicaragua, Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania, um, you know, anchoring in Southeast Asia by, um, according to our plans, by year three. 
Oh, exciting. And I can't wait for one of my guests to launch a really cool program in Southeast Asia as I will be there very <laughs> soon. <laughs> You, uh, yeah, as we mentioned, like I'll, I'll definitely be reaching out to you. So. Yeah, excited for it. I know I grilled Kyle about the same thing. When are you going to be near Thailand? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to happen. I'm it's very excited. Happen. Maybe I just I need to go travel and start charting out the opportunities for you guys. Sad that'll work. All right. So before we jump into the rapid fire, I do want to dive back in and, you know, give some more examples of the really unique experiences that you guys offer, because I don't know if we gave them quite enough justice. So what is one of the most unique experiences that you've personally done? Uh, yeah. So when we first launched, I spent, uh, you know, a month plus in Rwanda and traveling around meeting a lot of the entrepreneurs. Um, Must have been rough. Yeah, it was. It was really hard. You know, stayed with four volunteers and, uh, you know. Travel, adventure. Travel, bus, boat, moto, all of that. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, I so Mama Claudine, if you go to our website, website uh, it's viando.com. And uh, Mama Claudine, she's the kind of the I guess, figurehead there on the, you know, the first the first person you see when you come to our homepage. Uh yeah, I, I was really impressed with her. She's uh, the head of a local seamstress cooperative there. Uh, she teaches other women from her community how to sew. She has her own small little tailoring shop that she runs out of the front room of her home. So, yeah, booking with her is, you know, she'll meet you literally once you step off the bus, and she'll kind of be your introduction to her community for the day. She'll take you to the market first off to, to go buy some local fabric, help you negotiate prices with traders there. And then you just head back to her shop and, and spend a few hours just learning about you know, again, who she is and what does it mean to be a, you know, a single mother in Rwanda today running her own small business. Um, you know, she's engaged in farming as well and, you know, get to meet a lot of the other women from the cooperative. So, and then you get to leave, you know, she'll work with you on producing her own. She's got three foot pedal sewing machines. So, you know, producing your own bag or skirt or, or shirt design that you can take with you. Wow. You get to make your own products right there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just, you know, just great people. Um, you know, Silvestre, he's, uh, in El Salvador, I worked on a, a big beekeeping project. Uh, actually, my thesis tied into that. Um, so, you know, I was able to, you know, I was introduced to, to Silvestre. He's a 76-year-old beekeeper, uh, you know, actually lives in the same community as, as Mama Claudine. And, uh, yeah, just a super nice guy. He's got 70, 80 beehives. They're all the, like, real kind of tr traditional rustic uh, hives made out of, out of the stalks of uh, banana plants, and uh, yeah, again, just an introduction to to who he is. So, as a tourist, when you kind of go on that excursion, you get to meet him. Do you get to check out the beehives? What else does that particular experience come with? Uh, a bowl of honey. So, <laughs> it's yeah. hard to beat that. <laughs> yeah, like you know, you sit down, bring out bowls of honey, and just sit there and yeah, just kind of share a bit of background about life story. So, oh. you know, and, and too, I, I, and I, I really like that's, I guess, in my mind, what I see as one of the big values that we bring is, you know, just created around like Viana is really kind of trying, trying to create like a connection just around who people are, you know, and just understanding the commonalities between people and, uh, you know, that everyone wants the same things for their kids and grandkids and, you know, opportunity and education and healthcare and all that. And it's, I think it's valuable to be able to, to understand that. 
And that really is such a bigger piece of what you guys offer. It's not only these authentic experiences for adventure travelers, it's that human to human connection. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Such a different and deeper travel experience. Really hoping to make it out there someday. Or, you know, maybe I'll just find all of them in Thailand for you and then we can connect there. (laughs) You can come out and visit, right? Sounds good, yeah. All right. Well, with that, I think we're ready for some rapid fire. All right. Bring it. The rapid fire is one of my all-time favorite parts of the show, and I think it's just because of those adventures we get to talk about, like shark diving. How many guests have we had that have gone shark diving? Absolutely incredible. But before we dive into that, I wanted to share a quick insight from this incredible event called Journey to Social Entrepreneurship, which was all about focusing in and channeling the power of service to fuel powerful social enterprises. So that insight was all about asking permission. Sometimes we wait too long to act, almost waiting for the world to give us the okay. K-Tekka founder describes a pivotal moment in his journey where he could either move forward or ask permission. If you're at a point in your life where you're ready to activate and you're ready to move forward, then this event is for you. Unlock all 20 recordings at journeytosocialentrepreneurship.com live. That includes some incredible founders like Three Twins Ice Cream, Cooley Cooley, Sponsor Change, My Ed Match, and more. And with that, I think we're ready for a dose of adventure. Life is a balance of work, passion, and adventure. You've told us about a couple, but what is a recent adventure or excursion that you've gone on? Uh, let's see. I guess my most recent ex- recent excursion. Uh, so I've worked in South Sudan. Uh, th- done three different contracts there. You know, two plus years in total. Um, so I was there again uh, with Care International, which is headquartered here in Atlanta, not too long ago, and. Uh, yeah, it was a three-month contract and definitely pretty intense. It was, uh, I don't know if kind of how current folks are on South Sudan politics and issues, but the country's been in civil war for the last couple of years, ethnic divide. Um, you know, so this time it was, it was based in an opposition-controlled area of the country, uh, you know, 15, 20 kilometers behind the active front lines, so you could hear the fighting. Um, you know, a lot of quite young soldiers, uh, heavily armed around most of the time. Um, so that was pretty intense and, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, most interesting. Yeah. When you say you were contracted there, what capacity were you serving in? Uh, at that time, so normally my background's in, you know, food security and livelihoods this time, uh, it was as an area manager. So care had moved out, uh, they had a, a field base and they'd actually left six to seven months prior because of the fighting. Um, but they felt like, you know, things had kind of calmed down enough to where it was safe to go back. So we were, you know, part of the first teams to go back into this area and really kind of do assessments of, you know, the resources that the base still had, the condition and start, you know, organizing to get programs up and off the ground again. Um, so care managed, there's a dozen plus health clinics throughout the County. Um, so, you know, when they pull out doctors without borders was there as well, you know, some of these groups pull out like, you know, basic services such as healthcare, uh, go with them. So, you know, really just, you know, assessing needs, uh, you know, doing nutrition assessments, kind of understanding what the food insecurity, you know, levels of food insecurity there. And then, you know, working with world food program to start, you know, being able to distribute food aid to people that 
have been displaced because of the fighting. Wow, such a diversified background that you bring to all areas of your work. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I feel like I've definitely made a lot of great connections. You know, for what we're working on now with Viando, like um, you know, just over the years, feel pretty fortunate about that. Like it's, and it's also good validation. Like folks that I've worked with, you know, and and really respect professionally, like are reaching out, just saying like, I love what you're doing. I see the potential of this. Um, you know, and just kind of noting that we're spot on, spot on with our approach. So that is such a great validation, and yeah, just creating those partnerships and opportunities to help you expand to other areas as you know, either the areas recover or just other opportunities as you grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. Many social entrepreneurs find solace and tranquility in the outdoors. Have you found this to be true or beneficial with your work? Uh, yeah, for sure. Like I, you know, I mean, I grew up in Atlanta, I grew up in the city. Um, but, uh, you know, as mentioned, I moved out West, moved to Montana for school. Um, Largely just, yeah, to be able to, to be outside and enjoy mountains and climbing and biking. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely something still very important to me. You know, I bike um, as my main mode of transport around Atlanta. Um, we actually just moved into a new office space right downtown. It's like a block and a half from the CNN Center, um, you know, so I can bike from the house straight there. And, uh, you know, definitely try to find as much nature as possible within Atlanta city limits and then getting out as much as possible too. Definitely hear you on the biking, although mountain biking was my particular favorite in Bozeman. Oh yeah, yeah, it's good. Social entrepreneurship and just entrepreneurship in general is tends to be a roller coaster with definitely these incredible highs and these times of struggle. As you were going through and creating this company, what is your favorite mistake that you did? Huh, someone early on we were talking about mistakes and moving forward and I mean, his advice was, uh, he, you know, had gone through several startups previously and his advice was like, you know, you're going to make mistakes. That's just part of the process. Learn from it. Like the, the, the thing is just don't make a mistake that's not reversible. Um, that's good advice. Yeah. So, you know, I, I feel like our, you know, we've meandered a little bit here and there throughout the process. Uh, it's definitely been a learning experience. Um, you know, we took on Costa Rica, initially just focused in Rwanda and then talking to investors here in Atlanta, the question kept coming up. Atlanta's a very conservative investor climate. Uh, the question kept coming up, uh, like, who travels to Rwanda? Like, I'm not going to travel to Rwanda. I'm not going to take my family to Rwanda, um, you know, which I found a little bit offensive. But it's like, okay, like, you know, we have great connections in Costa Rica as well. Like, we can demonstrate that it'll work there, um, you know, just as well as it does in Rwanda. Um, I wouldn't say that's... I wouldn't say it's a mistake by any means, but it was, you know, it was definitely committing ourselves to uh, a lot more work than we realized at the time, I guess. (laughs) Isn't that the real life of entrepreneurship? Yeah. So, (laughs) Um, What book do you recommend to others who want to make a socially minded impact in their current role? Uh, Socially minded. Um, I was going to say, I mean, uh, you know, a book that I think... For, for most startups is the uh, the lean startup um, you know just focused on lean startup methodology and how do you you know how do you take a essentially a, an idea or a hypothesis and, and create a business model around that um, you know and doing that with through this approach like doing it in a stepwise um, fashion where you can start testing basic uh, elements or like small elements features or hypotheses of you know 
what it is you're doing and, and not over committing time or resources to, you know, trying to create something big picture from day one. The most viable product. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your MVP there. So, um, trying to think, yeah, I, you know, I don't know if, Applies to all businesses. I, mean, I think, I mean, I, you know, with what we're doing, um, you know, I, I think it's just hands-on experience. I think it's, you know, it was being in the field is working, you know, having committed such a big part of my life to this type of work. Like, I think that's what really kind of validates a lot of our, I guess, kind of social impact direction. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd say, Books are great, but it's it's much better to have experience. So, um. I love that. I can. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it's very true. There's only so much that books can do. Hands-on is always going to be more efficient, more yeah. efficient, more beneficial, and more yeah. effective in the long run. Yeah, and it just, it just it opens your eyes to opportunities, and you know, and creating those connections. And I think that's what social entrepreneurship is all about too. Is like just kind of connecting the dots and and pulling together resources in a way that that has an impact. Is there a mantra or a motto that guides forward your work? Uh, you know, do what you can with, with what you have and where you are. Um, you know, so really just, yeah, just if you have an idea and you think it's, it's, it's valid and has potential, then, uh, start small and, and start working on it. Oh, something so tactical that all of our listeners can really apply to wherever they are today. Yeah, exactly. And Jason, for our final question today, what is one tip or piece of advice that you have for our listeners to make a positive impact in their lives? Yeah, I mean, get out and travel for one. Um, you know, and you know, I mentioned too. I mean, just the experience bit. Like, um, you know, yeah, get out in the world, get your hands dirty, and and get involved and and understand issues. You know, various social issues from from really kind of the, the ground up level. Um, you know, having worked in the international development sector, you see folks who come in with these Ivy League degrees, but zero field experience, and they're creating policy. And it's like, you know, oftentimes I'm having to re review their proposals. And I'm like, well, have you guys talked to these communities about, you know, you're wanting to sell off their cattle, but do you understand what cattle <laughs> mean to pastoralist society? Like, it's, it's not about economics, it's about status and, and marriage and everything else. So, um, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, start small and, and focus on, focus on experience. Now I might know a travel company that can help with that. Uh, if only I could remember the name, <laughs> yeah. but Jason, sure. speaking of that, how do people learn more about Viandu? How do they hear about what you guys are doing and where do they connect with these experiences? Uh, yeah, so it's uh, Viando.com. It's V-A-Y-A-N-D-O.com. And, uh, yeah, you know, we're currently live, as you mentioned, in Costa Rica and Rwanda, uh, you know, you can book directly from our, our website there. We're, we're working hard to get our name out there and, and uh, create some opportunity. All right, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such an amazing experience. Yeah, thanks, Alexander. So look forward to uh, hearing about Thailand and, uh, and what's next for, for you guys. Yeah, as we launch that new section of Iandu in Southeast Asia after I go and travel the whole area, right? <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Positive Impact Podcast. And I hope you guys enjoyed today's feature on just really different and unique travel opportunities 
Personally, this is right up my alley as I love travel and I love just taking a different approach. So for all of the resources mentioned today, including some amazing photos, head on over to positiveimpactpodcast.com slash Viandu. That's V-A-Y-A-N-D-O. Hang out with us there and you can also get two free audio downloads thanks to Audible where you can get your free copy of The Lean Startup. Having been the most recommended book on the show, I really think there's something there and it's probably time to check it out. Until then, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.